everybody. This is the Disciple Makers Podcast by Discipleship.org, and I'm your host, Dave Stovall. Christian parents know that they need to disciple their children, but often we're distracted and swept into the culture rather than being transformed by the renewing of our minds. If we parents will step into our roles as defined by Deuteronomy 6, we can significantly impact our child's teen years, young adulthood, and ultimately their eternity. The greatest voice in the life of any child is their parents. That's huge. And the greatest opportunity for discipleship is in the context of the family and the home. Let's listen to Jason Hauser of Seeds Family Worship as he encourages us today to impact the discipleship of the next generation. Here we go. My name is Jason Hauser. Um, Like I mentioned, I've been a part of a ministry called Seeds Family Worship, um, which is just about getting God's word in the hearts of kids and families. We use music, we use videos. I've also been teaching on family discipleship and kind of seen really this movement grow in the church. And I think we're at a more critical moment than ever that we need to be um, figuring out how we can really disciple parents to disciple kids. And we do so much discipleship in children's ministry. I've been in children's ministry. I love children's ministry, love to continue to do that. It's a passion for me. But I think uh, where we're going in the future, I think we need to continue to do children's ministry, but we need to put a lot more emphasis on parent ministry. Can everybody say amen to that? Amen. I'm going to be calling out for some amens, especially after lunch, okay? Well, I'm so glad you guys are here. I love getting to be a part of this conference. I love getting to just for us to encourage each other. I want you to be encouraged in our time together. I also want us to have a conversation so, which is how we're, we got a good start here, and, and I, because I'm going to ask some questions, because we want to learn some things together, right? Because we, I think, I think we're figuring out as a church community, and I think, I do believe there's a move in, of the Holy Spirit in the church community, like, okay, it's a time, like, it's really a time for us to stand in our faith in a, in a different way. We're going to need to be stronger, and I think we hear that message coming <clears throat> from the platform. We definitely see it in our churches, like we see people falling away just because I think the roots haven't been very deep and I think we need to help people have the, the deeper roots so well I'm, I want to show a video but I want to pray for us first so let's just uh, pray to the Lord together Lord Jesus God we are thankful that we get to be here God I believe that you have each one of us to be here just as you're you're writing our story and God as we get to serve you and we, you, we, we live in, I think, I think, an important time. We live in a time when there's truly a battle going on over families, a battle going on over the hearts of children. And Lord, I just pray for courage for each one of us where you have put us to step into that battle, but to do it from a place of love and that we're going to fight with your love, with your power, with your hope, with, with faith. And so I pray that for over all of us. God, be in this discussion and help us to take a step forward together. And so we commit this time to you, Holy Spirit, lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so I want to we play this video. We made this video uh, connected with, to, a, to a resource, but I don't want to talk about that. I really just want to talk about the heart of what this video um, was about. And Jay Austin's here. He's a family pastor at Harpeth Christian Church, where the ministry I serve, Seeds Family Worship, came out of. He's now the pastor there. But we, we collaborated together to create this video to just communicate some of the things that are going on. And, and one of the things that we're really trying to communicate with the Seeds Ministry is a message to parents is don't miss this moment. 
And especially when kids are younger, this younger age, like elementary age is such a formative time. And I think parents can be so distracted and, and off that they miss like this prime time for a discipleship for them to disciple their children. And so that's the heart behind this video, but I think it, it, it connects with the, just the emotion of kind of what we want to communicate. And then we'll, we'll unpack some things here. The greatest opportunity for your child to come to faith in Jesus is through you. So don't miss this moment. Parents are called to care for our physical and emotional needs. But their greatest call is to provide for our spiritual needs. Deuteronomy 6 in the Bible tells parents to love God and have His Word in their hearts. And then it says this, You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk by the way when you lie down, and when you rise. Our worldviews are basically set by the age of 13. And 94% of adult Christians made their decision to follow Jesus before their 13th birthday. Nearly two in three Christian parents say they want to disciple their children, but they don't know where to start. It's easy for kids and parents to get distracted and swept up in all the less important things in culture that steal our precious time together. The greatest opportunity for your child to come to Jesus is through you. So don't miss this moment. And I think that's the, the message that we, that we really need to communicate to, to Christian parents <clears throat> right now is the greatest opportunity for your child to come to Christ is through you. And that's God's design and plan. And parents, parents want their kids to have that relationship. And, and often well-meaning and, and sometimes directed by the church, like, hey, just bring your kids here. It's so important to get your kids to church, and we, we're going to take care of them. We're going to put them in children's ministry. We have these trained professionals that are going to be able to teach them the Bible. They, they don't say this, but it's inferred like they know the Bible better than you. And so we're going to teach them. We're going to, and, and it's like, we're going to help you do this. But then it, it, it can become, because this, this is not always the case, but I, I think it's important to say um, that it can become where we're, they're thinking we're supposed to do that for them. Is that connecting with anybody here? The things that have, that have happened. And so we need to change that mentality and mindset. But here's just a couple of the things that are mentioned in the video I just want to point out. That child's worldview is basically set by the age of 13. So when we think about that and communicate that to parents, and these are things that I think you can take back. But I think that that's so important for us to be able to communicate that to parents is, is to say, okay, I, th I think that should be somewhat mind-blowing, you know, and I, I think what happens is often uh, when children get into their teen years, they struggle, right? And, and we're giving them some freedom. They're struggling. They're trying to figure out who they are. They're having some sin, some kind of sin struggles, you know, and so that's happening and the parents are like, then they try to do something, but you're starting behind at that point. And you should start and just jump in and go for it. And you know, in youth ministry, 
Caleb, you're like, you just, okay, we're going to come alongside you where you are, or maybe the parents just got saved. But the things that you do at the younger ages, establishing some rhythms, doing family times, praying together, I mean, they pay huge dividends in the teen years because the relationship is there. We talk about discipleship happens in relationship and establishing a relationship with our children at the younger ages really makes such a huge difference in the teen years. And so that statistic really backs that up. Can everybody say amen to that? Amen. Okay, don't want you sleeping on me after lunch. Here we go. Then I see some different statistics on this, and so I like to take this with a, a grain of salt, but I do think it's a very powerful statistic, even if you take the numbers to 80%, 90%. But 94% of all Christians made the decision to follow Jesus before they turned 18. Again, I just think statistics, are, it's just always good to respect the like, okay, let's... We can argue, well, it's really 90%, what's really 80%, well, this happened. But, but let's just say over three-fourths of the people that commit their life to Christ do, do so before they're 18. And so it's such an important time, not only, as uh, Pastor Jim was talking about, <clears throat> helping them come to know Christ, but that discipleship to really disciple them to follow Jesus, to show them what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. And so this is such a critical time in the development of a child and their relationship with the Lord. And it's also such an important time for us in the church to go, are we putting enough emphasis, resources behind this to really impact the next generation? And then uh, the, the, the third thing that was mentioned in the video, and I just think this is another really good statistic, is two out of three Christian parents desire to disciple their children, but they don't know where to start. So it's in the hearts of parents, and we, we are well-intentioned parents. We want to, and I think all parents want to do what they believe is best for their children. Now, many parents are deceived, and especially right now, the enemy is sowing so many, so much, so many deceit, seeds of deception in the hearts of kids and, and parents. But, but parents do, they, Christian parents, they want to disciple their kids, but they don't know, okay, what's the next step? And so here's... Um, so here's what I want to ask. It just kind of put this out here for our first discussion point is, what do you believe is stopping parents in your church or your community from leading, leading a discipleship of their child? I'd like for us to come up with just, with, with just like three to five things together. But what do, what do you think, like think about your church context. I mean, what's, what's stopping parents? Why don't, why don't you think more parents? Well, let me ask you this question. Don't we think most parents aren't doing this at home, right? Can we agree with that? Most, let's show, show a hand and say, would you say less than half of parents are doing any discipleship at home? Raise your hand. Less than 50%, right? Would you say, I mean, less than 75%? Would you say like, or would you, what would you say? I mean, is it kind of mixed for you guys? Like less than 10%. Okay, right. So that's probably, that's more what the statistics say, right? What's really happening. So. I'm always trying to be gracious with statistics. <laughs> okay, but I mean, what, what stop, why, why is that happening? I mean, what's stopping parents? Yeah, go ahead, Hannah. Yeah, people are overscheduled. I'm just going to jot these down. Okay, would, it, would anybody say amen to that overscheduled? Oh, yeah, we'll get lots of amens to that, okay? They think it's the church's responsibility, right? Yeah, and I think, so parents think, I mean, that's the culture, right? That's kind of, is, is that, the, that's the predominant American culture is like, hey man, I brought him to church. Like I've been, we've been coming to church and it's like, what? Well, you know, but that's where we're starting, right? Yeah. They, they don't do it themselves. So 
Okay. Like maybe they don't see the importance of it in themselves. Yeah, so, so they're... So these parents are going to church, but they're not... When you say they don't do it themselves, like what do you... Well, this is my last session. Like they don't have the habit of reading the Bible every day themselves. I was going to say they're sloppy and lazy, but you know. I'm not sure, Jason, that they've been discipled. Yeah. Okay. I think that's good, Linda. Parents don't get discipled, never have been. Yeah. They don't know how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. Big practice, the lack of practice in doing it. Yeah. For those teachable moments, those Deuteronomy 6 moments, what that looks like. Yep. And the more you do it, the more naturally it becomes a part of your lifestyle. Yeah, and, and I think Deuteronomy 6 talks about that, you know, as you sit at your house. Like the intentionality, but like, hey, but families don't even, I mean, I ask families, like, how do you spend time together other than, like, watching a movie? Like, I don't count that. You know, not that that's bad, but it's just like, okay, we're, we're like, engaging, like, having a meal, having conversations, and having a meal without phones, you know, when we're just, like, sitting, talking, like, so, well, that, that's great. I mean, people, it's overscheduled. They think it's the church's responsibility. Parents aren't seeking God first. Parents, um, parents haven't been discipled. I, I think parents want to do this, but it's like really when you start doing it, they don't know. And then um, just lack of practice. I think that's a good one. Caleb, do you have one more? I would say also a misunderstanding of what a disciple is as well as discipleship. That's awesome. I mean, would everybody agree with that? I mean, that's what's going on. And so I, I, I feel like so much of what we need is, again, parent discipleship, you know, for the children. Like how are we going to reach the kids of this next generation I really believe it's through the parents. You know, it's really discipling the parents. And so we're just going to have the kids go into the main service. We're going to have, and, and we're going to have everybody that doesn't have kids watch those kids. And then we're going to have all the parents go into a parent discipleship. It's going to be awesome. So go back and tell your lead pastor that's our idea. And they're going to love it. Okay. Sorry. But how do we do that? That is the question. You're catching the sarcasm. Thank you. Okay. So it's such an important moment in time for us as a church and a home to come alongside families in ways that we haven't, I think, in previous generations. This, this generation is growing up in a culture like none other because of technology, social media, and now in America and Canada and other countries, you know, definitely in Europe as well, we're living in a post-Christian culture. And so many things we've done in the past to disciple children are not going to work for this next generation. I, I think it's good to agree on that. Like, what got us here won't get us there as a saying that's often used in business. And I think we're seeing that right now in family discipleship. So we need parents to step into the, their role with Deuteronomy 6. And I shared part of this story at the Renew Gathering, but I want to circle back to it because I want to unpack it a little bit more for you here. But last November, I was in... Mazatlan, Mexico, and <clears throat> we were working with a ministry called Homes of Hope. We were building houses for families, and our daughter was down there on her discipleship training school, and, and it was just a, a great experience for us. But when we were there, we went to a church. The pastor was teaching from the book of Nehemiah. And as he unpacked the story of Nehemiah, it just impacted me so much about how there's such an incredible analogy of what was happening there as he was encouraging the people to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and the broken down wall and his heart was broken for, for 
God's people. And so he wanted to rebuild the wall and how he got families together to do that and the things that Nehemiah faced. And so I'm gonna, now we're going to do a, little, a few Bible questions. How many people, how do, you feel, how, how do we feel about the book of Nehemiah? People feel good? Like, you know, the book of Nehemiah? We got some, okay, we got a dance. <laughs> All right, here we go. Nehemiah on three. Okay, so Nehemiah's heart was broken for his people. Everybody knows that part, right? So we found out, he hears why, what's going on? It's like, and his heart was broken. Then how did he respond? Nehemiah 1.4 is the scripture. But how, how did Nehemiah, Nehemiah respond when he heard that news? Hand anybody? Yeah. He wept, right? What's that? He cried out to God. That's awesome. So Nehemiah 1.4 says, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And then he did, he did something else before, well, you said he cried out to God. And so, yeah. So, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And so this is the place I think is so good for us to start. And as we, as we're here together, but then as we move back to where God has us to serve, I think we can do what Nehemiah did if we want to see God do something miraculous in our church to change the culture in our churches. And he prayed. Can everybody say amen to that? And so I think I want to just encourage us right now, like how can you put together a prayer strategy for the families of your church? And that may just start with you. And that may just say, I'm going to pray about this every day. I'm going to get someone else that has this passion with me. I'm going to pray with our elders. But we're going to start, we're going to get together. I just think I have a, have a strategy like we're going to pray, that we want to pray to see God do something. So you're going to see how Nehemiah continues to pray throughout this story. And so then the next thing that he did is he repented, that he also took responsibility. And this really struck me as I read this passage. And it's like he said, okay, Lord, forgive me as well. And I just think to have that heart before God, to look at ourselves and go, and, and all of us that are here that are parents, it's like there are only imperfect parents, you know, and, and we have something to say, Lord, I know I can do this better. I want to be the parent you call me to be, but I'm also repenting of my selfishness and my, my part, my part in this. And I, I think that that's really healthy, and I think that's something we can take from Nehemiah. And then the third thing is he prayed to God, he cried out, he repented, but then he interceded for his people. And so I think we want to pray for a change. I think we want to look at ourselves and see where we are, right? Because if we're going to be making disciples, that we need to be a disciple first. And we were talking about in the session earlier, it's just like daily being in the Word. It's a battle, but making it a part of our lives. Like if we're going to make disciples, just like we're saying, well, the parents aren't equipped or the parents aren't the disciples, they're not doing it themselves. Well, for us as leaders, and there's no condemnation in this, none of us do it perfectly, but it's it's a part of who we are that we're in God's word, that we're becoming who God wants us to be, and then we're helping the parents do that. So, but we but then we get to intercede for our people. So then I think the next step is we're praying, then we're repenting, but then we are gonna say, Okay, I'm gonna start praying for these families. And I think we can in our Part of our prayer strategy is like, okay, these are the families at my church that I serve, or this is a specific family. I'm going to focus on, I'm going to intercede for these people. So just kind of <clears throat> summarizing, because I want to say, begin with prayer, Nehemiah prayed. Repent to the Lord, Nehemiah humbled himself 
and repented and intercede for your people, Nehemiah prayed to the Lord on behalf of the people. If we want to see a new move of God, I believe these scriptures are a clear starting point for us. I'm about to share that spiritual battles are one in the spiritual realm. So when you're in a moment and you feel like, man, I'm at a season, I'm, I'm under spiritual attack and things are happening, you feel like, and sometimes things happen to us, I think in the natural world, if we get in a car wreck, I, I think there's, a, there's an over-spiritualization and an under-spiritualization we can do in life. <laughs> every time, if someone rear-ends you, it's not always like an attack of the enemy. They were just on their phone. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, but, you know, but sometimes it, it is like, okay, you're trying to be stopped from going somewhere. There's something going on. But it's like when we fight a spiritual battle, we need to do it in the spiritual realm. I believe there's a spiritual battle over the hearts of kids. And I shared a, a story um, yesterday, but like there was the pastor in Dallas, Texas. And he said, you know, he used to see the front line of the battle was with college-age students. And he saw it move to high school, then middle school. But he said, now the front line of the battle he sees is an elementary age. And I believe that. And you can see that the enemy is putting a focus on that. And so that's why I, I believe we need to put such an emphasis on prayer. And Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. So we need to lean on God. Be strong in what God can do. And then put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And so we can see there are schemes of the devil going on against families. And I don't need to point all of them out to you because there's so much in the media. I mean, don't, do you guys think there's just crazy things going on in, in America right now? I mean, does it blow your mind when you like see these things on the internet and you're like, what? Like the coffee shop down the street, we live in a conservative town in Twin Falls, Idaho, and this coffee shop is having the drag show reading to kids thing. And I'm just like, if it's in our town, you know what I mean? It, it's just crazy that like our people, in our town, I mean, don't want that, but it's just like there is an agenda being pushed, you know, and, and it's happening, not singling out any it, certain thing or but companies, but we see it all in the news. It's, it's so in front of us, but it, it really is, um, I believe, just a scheme of the devil to try to um, impact young lives. And I think that's where the battle is fought. And so Ephesians 6, 18 through 20 says, because when you go through the whole armor of God passage and you get to this part, this part is often left out. And I think this is so important in the spiritual battles. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, always keeping on praying for all the Lord's people. So how are we fighting this spiritual battle? It's like we're putting on, you know, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes for your feet, ready to take the gospel of peace. I write songs to this stuff, so it's just in my head, you know. And shoes for all your feet, ready to take the gospel of peace. So I know I have them. But, but those are all the pieces of the armor of God, right? Let me do the whole song. Keep going, everybody, clap your hands. Woo! No, I'm just kidding. Okay, here we go. Linda's like, oh, he'll do it. Don't encourage him. Okay, so, but... But yeah, but, but you get to the end, and actually when I, when I wrote this song that summarized for kids for a vacation Bible school, uh, I summarized this, the, the bridge of the song, the last part, I go, you know, we gotta pray, 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 pray in the spirit till the end of the day, we're gonna pray, 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 with all perseverance for all of the saints, that's how we put on the armor of God. But so I, I wanted to put that in to say, hey, 
don't forget this part. We got to, and so whenever you're writing, same thing in scripture, like you repeat a word, it means it's like you want it to have more emphasis. We got to pray, 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 pray in the spirit till the end of the day. We're going to pray, pray, pray with all perseverance for all of the saints. Not everybody gets to singing in their breakouts, just so you know. Okay, but so, but then I'm going to read the scripture again. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. I think we need to pray. I think we need to, when we go home, I think Nehemiah saw an incredible thing happen. He, he prayed. He continued to pray. And I, I feel like um, even before we take some of these next steps I'm going to talk about, I just encourage you to take some time to pray before you take the next step because we are changing. It couldn't, for some of you, the leadership in your church, there needs to be some changes. Pray that God will change their heart. Pray that God's going to put on their heart. You're the leaders, the influencers, and then pray that God's going to give these families vision where there's blindness. Pray that some of your parents that come to church every Sunday that actually aren't Christians will get saved, right? Because that's part of the problem as well. And it's like, but that's okay. That's part of the discipleship process. It's going to, and you'll hear my story in just a little bit about how here we are going to church and we didn't, God, God wasn't first in our lives, but we're just like a lot of the people, we were just the young family at your church, just like figuring it out. But God was working and discipling us. So can anybody just say, what, what would be a prayer game plan that you could take home to our church? I mean, just an, I just want to have just a couple of ideas. Anybody, as, as I say this about prayer, because Shadonke said yesterday, he, he said, we talk a lot about prayer, but it's harder to do. And it, and it really is a battle to pray and even to pray corporately. But does anybody ha- just have anything that they could share, any insight about like, what might be a step to pray and, and going home? Yes. We, we have people that years ago, the minister said this is what saved the church, is there were people that felt called to pray. And mm-hmm. so they just opened it up on Tuesday night, whoever wants to come and pray. And it's gotten bigger and bigger. And, you know, it's, it's, it is advertised, but not, you know, not pushed because they want real intercessors there. But, yeah, um, yeah. It's... It's changed the church, is what the minister says. I and believe from it. That there was a mom that said we should pray for like our kids, mm-hmm. and so she's. There was kind of a spinoff from that. It was quiet, but yeah, but that's awesome. And there, I think in most of our communities, I mean, there are some prayer warriors. You know, we just kind of know people that really have a. a a special calling to prayer, and that that love to pray, and that just have, and some that have time. You know, maybe in the season of life that they're in. And so I think enlisting, I would say enlist some of those people to say, hey, this is, Amar, would you pray for this for our community? Somebody else, I mean, another idea just on prayer? Yes. I've been coming to these for quite a while, and it just seems like this one was overwhelming, that prayer and fasting has just got permanent, like like it precedes anything we do from here. And and listening to Shadanka this week, that was his whole thing is just they pray constantly like that's their big thing and i i think we spend a lot of time i, I 
like we're talking, we teach a parenting classroom, and do all these other things, and I don't want to just like bring yeah. crazy for our parents like all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, making it, I think just making it more of a priority, I think, I mean, that's what I hear you saying, is it's just like, just like, okay, we can just make a decision to make it more of a priority. Yeah. Like, you can teach the Dave Ramsey class, or you can start praying for a bunch of heart, and you may not be the Dave Ramsey class. You know what I mean? That's yeah. No, that's good. Okay, does anybody have just, just one more? On anything else on prayer, those are good things. I mean, I know this is a this is a little different, maybe than what you expected <laughs> to hear, but I I think um, it's a greater thing that we're trying to see happen. I, I don't think this is going to happen by making a couple small tweaks. You know, I think this is a full on remodel that we need to do, and so I think we need to we need to approach a different way. Yeah. Especially speaking about prayer, prayer is probably one of the most countercultural thing in, in the church at the moment, <laughs> which is sad to say that God's people, by and large, in America, struggle to pray together. Yeah, and um, and so a game plan for prayer is not just a thing that we decide and tomorrow we get her done. Yeah, I mean this is an upheaval. Yeah, um, to build a culture of prayer. Mm -hmm. I mean, prayer is the principal thing. I mean, the two ministries of the church, prayer and the Word. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the prayer even came before the word. <laughs> and the early church, you know, that's when they got together and they, because yeah. I, I think about how did they, I mean, you, and you guys may know this, but how did they pray? You know, they got together, I think, at homes and apostle teaching and breaking of bread and prayer. And like, I'm assuming, right, that they're all praying together. There's not somebody, they're, they had a culture of prayer, well, right? I think even about the Lord's Prayer, you know, the one time the disciples asked Jesus to teach them something specific, they asked him, teach us to pray. And Jesus didn't teach them how to pray by themselves. Yeah. He said, pray this way. Our Father. Yeah. Heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And our mm -hmm. give us this day. It was a communal prayer. Yeah. And praying together is something that we struggle with as Americans. And, yeah. And uh, we're very individualistic when it comes to our prayer lives. Mm -hmm. And struggle to pray together is, is huge. And... Uh, and, and I, can, I can say one thing, um, you want to build a culture of prayer in your church, it is one of the most ineffective ways of building a church in the short term. Yeah, yeah, but, but I think in the long term, and I think, I think that... Well, you think about it, you, you want to see a church scatter, you have a prayer meeting. <laughs> right? You have a church of 500 and you call, oh, Wednesday night we're going to have a prayer meeting, we're just going to yeah. gather, no music, no Bible study, we're just going to pray together. Mm -hmm. and you'll have like five people show up. Yeah. And they're the paid staff members that are required to be there. Yeah, you know? right. And I, I think that's where the turning of the tide of going, okay, we really need to learn how to even pray together as the leaders and then see that, you know, move forward. And, and I think you're saying too, I mean, what I hear that, I'm summarizing, but just building a culture, like changing the culture to, to where we pray. Just in the, and that's going to take some time. But I, I think, speaking of the, the short game and the long game, but that is the long game. It's not popular in the short term, but I think we're going to do some unpopular short-term things, and then we'll kind of go long-term. Did you want to add one thing, and then I'll... I just say don't stop. Yeah. Nobody gathers, just keep it up. Yeah. Uh, and nothing... Think <laughs> Keep it with you next to your Bible. I mean, I, I wouldn't pray because the parents name, so I did it for them. He to, but I kept saying pray, and I never modeled it. So we get together and have these meetings. And I say, so what are we doing next? What's the new thing on our agenda? What, mm. Let's talk about the, the, the lessons. Oh, 
just recently, you know, the light bulb goes off, and I we, I'm not only it. We need to start with 30 minutes of prayer. So now we gather and we start with the list in our hand, praying. But 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 you're equipping and modeling because you're making the list of the kids. You're sending them with the roster, and then you're to do both. Yeah, that because that's the connecting. But you're getting it. <laughs> but that's okay. No, because but that's the thing I think is it's like okay, I'm giving you this tool to do this, but then I'm because again, with parents don't know how to disciple. Our leaders are parents. I mean, they're and they're more mature, they're serving, right? But they're still learning. And so we're discipling within this, but that will change the culture, right? That intentionality of like, we we all, hey, because before, you know, people will say, well, hey, yeah, if you serve the kids here, um, you have to pray. We pray. You pray for the kids. You It's like, oh, that's what we do, right? It's just, that's the culture it becomes, which which is what we want it to become. So, okay. So I, oh, there's so much good stuff. Okay, we could just keep, I'm going to move us through here. But I love this. So then what did Nehemiah do next? He stepped out, risks, and asked the king for, in faith for what was desired. Nehemiah 2.4, then the king said to me, what are you requesting? And so and guess what he did when the king asked him? I love this part. I love this. He, he said, what are you requesting? What do you want me to do? And it says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. So he prayed, I mean, in the moment, and I love that, like, we just pray in the moment, like, I'm just going to say this right now on, on microphone, but oh, crap, you know what I mean? He, he's asking me what he wants, you know? And he's just like, so he just prayed. He's just going to pray, you know? And and I just love that he just stayed in, in prayer. But I think, um, and let me, let me go here, let's see. And the king granted what I, I asked, and the good hand of my God was upon me. But I think it takes boldness for us. Now, those of us that are church leaders, but also with parents, I, I think it's going to take courage on our on our behalf. And some people said in our breakout earlier this week, you know, some parents like, well, if you if you tell people, hey, discipleship, like you guys need to be the primary disciples of your children, they're like, there's a real fear that people will leave. People don't. They, they're like, they're pushing against me, and we're going to lose families. Um, and I know that that's a, a real um, situation, but I think it's just we can't we can't not say this now. I don't think we can try to protect, say, well, we might lose this family. You might lose their children. Their children may never come to know the Lord, and they've been at your church this whole time. I mean, it's a that really is a double-edged sword. I think it's better to, and they may go to another church. I mean, I pray that family leaves your church, goes to another church, and the children's pastor at that church says the same thing to them. And they go to another church, and then after four churches, they're tired of moving. They're like, maybe we should do this. God keeps saying the same thing, right? I mean, if the culture changes, I mean, that's the big story. So, so he asked the one in authority for the resources needed to do what the Lord was leading him to do. Nehemiah took a risk to ask the king. Our risks look different. But there's still true risks, like I was just saying. And we may ha have been turned down many times before, but I believe it is time to dig deep and pray and ask again in faith and ask big. Now to Nehemiah 4. They faced opposition. So now let's just say we're starting to, 
to build this culture in our churches. We're starting like with Nehemiah. We're starting to see traction. We're starting to see some change. And it says, they kept working and they prayed, Nehemiah 4.9. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. So as they faced opposition, again, they pray. They continue to pray as we as we make progress, because I believe you guys are going to see wins. I believe that this is going to be a move of God. But as you see um, some successes, you're also going to see some opposition. Can everybody say amen to that? Amen. And so we need to keep praying like Nehemiah did and the people did. Uh, so just like people rebuilding the wall, parents in churches that are committed to God's work are coming under attack. And I believe the enemy has the same strategy now as the men that came against Nehemiah. Their enemies tried to sow seeds of confusion to mock them and distract them from their calling. Our enemy is directing culture to do the same thing to us, sowing seeds of confusion in the lives of the younger generation, attempting to distort God's original design and his creation. Are we all seeing that in our culture, right? It's, and people are make, being made fun of. Well, people that believe that are dinosaurs. You know, these quotes that we see in, in different things, like, oh, if you believe that, like, that's so, like, archaic, you know? It's like, no, that's biblical truth. Um, but here's what I believe that we need to say to families, and, and I just, I think you can take Nehemiah 4.14, and we can say this to families today about what's going on in culture, because parents are so afraid, leaders, as leaders, we can be afraid. We say, do not be afraid of them. Do not be afraid of the things that are going on in culture. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. So both for us and for the parents that we're serving, we need to remember who God is. I, I love Nehemiah just said, hey, we don't need to be living our lives in fear, but we need to remember how do we do that? Like we're looking at all the problems and all the things going on and we can get our eyes just down and we're, we're losing sight of the Lord. And, he's, and he says, remember the Lord that we need to look up. We're looking at the, at the rubble, right? And we need to look up and say, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. But then he calls them to, to action and to fight. And so um, I believe Christian families need to build godly homes alongside each other, just like the families rebuilt in the wall of Jerusalem. With the same strategies they did, building with one hand and protecting families with the other. And so the question I have here is, how can we encourage families to protect, how, how can we um, encourage parents to protect their children? What are some things we can do to say, okay, we're going to take this next step of faith, but we also need to be protecting our kids from some of the things going on. Does anybody have any, anything there? Like I can say, I can say, for example, you know, I think it's careful not to say, oh, media is a bad thing, but I think for families, when you're going to start to be diligent, like you need to be conscious of where, how media is in your home. And obviously there's things you can block pornography in your house, kids having access to phones. I'm not religious at all about like, oh, kids should have this and this age and this. I mean, every child is different. Know your child, know their situation. But we need, we do need to help parents to say, hey, we need to put up some boundaries. So when it's five-year-olds or eight-year-olds or 10-year-olds, you know, like my, my nephew who shares this openly, I'm sure with you, you know, but at eight years old, it's when he became addicted to pornography going over. And his parents were diligent people. He went to a friend's house, saw it, but then he was able to have, get access to it on his phone. And, and finally, he came to his dad. His dad loves Jesus. His dad took him on a father-son trip, and they started working on it together. 
So in his, and he was so afraid his dad was going to reject him, you know, and he was so ashamed of it. His dad didn't reject him. He's like, I love you, son. We got we to gotta fix this. And so they started working on it. And I think just like we're going to protect our homes, but then also when these things happen and the world is there, we're going to just address it in, in love. And so I think we need to encourage our families, though, to be aware of like how can we set healthy guards around our household. We, need to, we do need to be protecting our children. Jason, one thing that I heard this week even was that we might need to change our schedules. Um, yeah. We might need to change our schedules and make a little more room for God in our schedules rather than baseball or soccer or whatever that is that's taking up all of our time. I'm just saying amen. Can everybody say amen to that? Okay, let me just... Let me just read what I have in bold right here. Linda and I, we've done children's ministry together, so it's so cool. We are right now. I mean, look at this. Adult, now we're doing parent ministry and leader ministry. Okay, here's what, here's what I had uh, in bold to finish this time. Just like Nehemiah was passionate about seeing Jerusalem restored, we need leaders calling parents to be devoted to family discipleship over everything else for their children, including their child's education. I'm going there. Their music lessons, their sports teams and every other activity that caused families to slowly drift away from what matters most. It's the drifting away. It's just all these other things that when we overscheduled was the first thing everybody said at the beginning of our time together. It's like overscheduled. And so families need to know they need to make sacrifices. And so for us as leaders, that we know we're going to make some people that we love uncomfortable, Right? We're going to insult people, not on purpose, but we're going, to, we're going to call them to greater things. They're going to be uncomfortable. Nobody likes that right now. And, and like it, Pastor Jim was talking about feelings, we're a very feeling-driven culture. Okay, we're going to hurt people's feelings, but we're going to do it from a place, not of judgment, but from a place of love. But if we don't say this, then who's going to say it to them? And so, and, and we may have some people to say, well, if this is how it's going to be, I'm going to leave the church. And we need to say, we don't want you to leave the church, but we need you to follow this teaching from the word. It's not me. It's, I'm, I'm guiding you to the Lord. So take this, you go read this and let's like make it a discipleship moment. Say, please don't leave. Go study this and pray and read Deuteronomy 6 and pray and let's talk. Like I'm for you. Right? I don't want you to leave, but I have to tell you this truth. That, that's part of me being a, a spiritual leader for you, and that's what I'm doing from a place of love. So um, right now, I think our time is short and the stakes are high. And so I just want to leave with this word of encouragement, and I'm going to have Jay come up and share a little bit with you about uh, a thing that if it fits with your church culture that we're going to be doing starting in August, and it's a discipleship uh, for families that will last over the course of a year and it will, parents, they can be anywhere on the spectrum from where they are in their own theology. They can be a ground zero. And it's this, this resource starts with what is truth. And it's just, which is a great place to start in this culture. Can everybody say amen to that? Amen. Like, can we even know truth? And it's like, yeah, well, let's, let's talk about that. And then we just build on that. But I just want to encourage you, wherever you are in the role that you have in your church community, I just encourage you to to pray for God to show you that next step.
because we are on a journey. And like I mentioned earlier, I'm a hiker and I, I've hiked a lot of miles, but sometimes when, when it starts to hurt, you just keep putting one foot in front of the other. I'm going to take this next step and then this next hour. And then, but before you know it, you're pretty far up the mountain. You don't always see the progress, but I'm saying, take the next step. Lord, show me the next step. Show us the next step. So I want to pray and then I'll have Jay come up. So Lord, I just, that's my prayer. Lord, I pray for the next step that you have for us in leading these parents. Lord, I just pray, we pray together for parent discipleship. Lord, for a, a new wave of parent discipleship where the parents can come and learn what it means to love you with all their heart, soul, and might. And then learn what it means to have your word on their hearts. And then learn what it means to teach their children, Lord. And then that we can see this next generation, as much as we see the older generation struggling, God, this next generation that's coming up, Generation Alpha, that these parents can come in and step into this role, God. And I just pray you'll give these leaders courage. I pray that you'll give them resources, God. I pray as uh, Nehemiah asked the king, Lord, I pray that they will ask their lead pastors. They'll ask their families. They'll ask people of influence, Lord. I pray we'll step out in faith. And when we receive a no, Lord, that we'll continue to just take whatever the next step is. And, we're, and when we receive an, a yes, we take the next step in faith. Regardless, God, give us the strength and the ability to do what you've called us to do. Fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we want to see just a change in this generation and work through us here. And God, just thank you for our time together today. And we praise you, God. You are great and awesome. God, help us to fight for our families. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. We've got another episode from Jason Hauser coming up next from Seeds Family Worship. And if you are a volunteer at your church, let me let me rephrase that. If you go to church, your church desperately needs volunteers for the children's ministry. I can guarantee that. And if you're somebody that's serving at your church, then you probably have at one point in time served in some capacity in the children's ministry or student ministry. The next episode is really focused on that, about the power within the volunteer's position to teach these kids about Jesus, because that is discipleship. It's happening on Sundays, and ultimately it's the family's role at home. I know that, but there is a lot of power and responsibility, I'm thinking of the Spider-Man movies right now, that comes with speaking into children at your church. So make sure to come back to the next episode. Hit subscribe if you haven't already, and you're going to enjoy that next one as well. All right, y'all, enjoy the rest of your day, and thanks for listening to the Disciple Makers Podcast. We'll see you.